Hi guys, welcome to episode four on the Prismatic Academy podcast. I'm Chrissy Marie, and I tell the true life stories of today's visionaries, healers, and conscious co-creators. We search for the innate wisdom of the soul to help you unleash your creative energy, activate your courage, and claim your desires. And we host conversations around human potential and what else is possible. Fun, right? Well, I'm so excited for you to be listening in on this episode because today we're sharing a conversation I had with a great naturopathic doctor, Dr. Phil Selinski, to discuss his expertise and understanding around the structures, functions, properties, and behaviors of what he calls the human machine, our bodies. It's a very big, multifaceted topic, and in our chat, we'll distill down the basics behind how our bodies operate and what we can do to support it and obtain a higher state of well-being. I think we all have a pretty basic understanding of how our bodies work. We may not know exactly what organs or systems do, but in general, we know our anatomy. But what happens when something feels out of place? Are we aware of exactly what's going on when we experience it? Are we able to interpret pain and know how it serves as a way for the body to communicate with us? Well, that's exactly what we'll be discussing. So for a little bit of background, I first met Dr. Phil while working on some business development and branding projects for a local yoga studio around six years ago. At the time, I think it's safe to say that I was struggling. My body seemed to be systematically shutting down, and I was suffering from a wide variety of symptoms that were really making it difficult for me to think clearly, and eventually I began to have trouble getting out of bed. Whatever illness I was experiencing, it seemed to come from out of nowhere. It was a mystery. And I went to a huge handful of specialists, mostly in Western medicine, to see if they could tell me what was going on or how to fix it. I had tons of extensive panels done, and I was completely frustrated when they all came back as normal. Something was definitely wrong. I wouldn't say that I was a hyper-health-conscious person then, but... I was one who prepared very balanced meals and exercised pretty intensely. I would endure high-energy CrossFit classes twice a day, five times a week, and before, it was no problem. I felt good, and I always had energy to spare. So to go from that place to a place where, after a 30-minute run, I would fall asleep as if having narcolepsy for about six hours just to regenerate, you could say that I was desperate for answers. Enter Dr. Phil. When I first met him, he was welcoming and happy to receive me as a patient. I walked into his little studio and sat down on his massage table and felt that he really had a genuine concern about my pain and frustrations. When I explained to him what was going on, he had a compassionate, warm smile and began to examine what are known as trigger points on my body. So trigger points are what many may know to be as muscle knots or sore spots. You know them when you press on them. And in this episode, we'll get a little bit into how they're connected to the systems and vital organs of the body. But to cut to the chase, Dr. Phil was the one who helped me to overcome my battle with chronic fatigue and helped to help me support my body in a way that it could heal. He's a naturopathic doctor who first began as a mechanical engineer and a machine designer. And in addition to his expertise and understanding of the systems of the human body, He's also a great educator. After leaving his office, not only did I feel immediately better, I felt 
more informed and empowered to oversee and manage my own body and health. There is so much to learn from Dr. Phil. And in this episode, we'll have an overview of the human machine and how it works and discuss things like how structure determines function, how the body speaks to us, and how we can learn to understand its feedback. He'll also share what he sees to be the most common link to system failure and dis-ease, as well as touches on the importance of healthy blood chemistry and how it will always trump intelligence to drive our behaviors. It was a really fascinating ride with Dr. Phil, and I admire him for his ability to break down complex systems into basic, understandable language. His deep understanding of the body and its functions expands into multiple areas of study, not just in terms of anatomy, but also physics, metaphysics, chemistry, and the like. He's been an influential expert in the advancement of holistic health, and when you listen to our chat, I'm sure you'll agree that he has a knack for systems, organizations, and more effective solutions. So without further ado, here it is. Episode 4, The Human Machine with Dr. Phil Selinski. So let's begin at the beginning. At the beginning? Yes. Boy. Well, because you started out as a mechanical engineer. Correct. Correct. And also with machine design. So how did right. you go from a mechanical engineer to a naturopathic doctor? <laughs> well, fate has a way of arranging life. I guess you could say I started off here in San Diego. It was about mm, 1967, I think it was, working at Convair. And I was riding back and forth on my motorcycle. And I got down here to this bridge where the, where it comes, uh, the, where is it, uh, the uh, Mission Bay Drive, I guess, comes around under the right. bridge mm-hmm. on my motorcycle. And just as I come back up under the turn, there's a big old black Cadillac making a left turn, right? So I played astronaut. I cleared the bike pretty much, but in the car, but I hit my foot on the gas tank. So that was the end of my career for a while. So I was in uh, for a cast from my leg all the way down for almost eight, nine months. So that gave me a lot of time on the beach. So I met some interesting people on the beach. Okay. <laughs> and one of them was a crazy chiropractor down here right in the corner of Ingram and, and Grand. And he was introducing me to the idea of fasting and colonics. That was my beginning. Okay. Started from there. So it was kind of your your introduction to health and taking care of yourself, but... It, well, it sparked more a deeper curiosity for you? Well, no. He just started answering some questions that I had okay. been asking myself for a long time. Okay. Like what? Like how this machine gets clogged up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then time went on and a lot of things happened. And I got uh, took another job in Oxnard uh, working for uh, Parker & Gamble. to be doing their machines at the Sherman Paper Plant up there. While I was there, I met another engineer who was running a massage school, Tura. So we got buddied up a little bit, and he invited me into class, spent some time there, and then one day he called me and said, hey, uh, I'm in the hospital. Take over my class for me. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Did you have any massage experience before then? or Nothing but to speak of, no. Okay. (laughs) So I kind of got the hang of it uh, from the couple classes that I witnessed. 
So I went in there and took over. And then he died. And there I am with the school. <laughs> so, so it just fell into your hands. Fell into my literally. hands. So, so I took it over. Wow. And How changed long? it drastically. Got the uh, AMTA, American Massage Therapy Association, had a testing procedure that they went through, a, a class that they went through. I took that whole thing, went through it, re-engineered it, boiled it down to their, from their 1,000 hours down to about 200 hours, and started the school. Changed it over to Institute for Holistic Studies, and that was the beginning. So, it's, one, it sounds like you have just a natural tendency or natural gravitation towards systems and organization. Absolutely. <laughs> I see patterns. Patterns. Okay. So when was the time when you started applying what you knew about systems to the body? When did that click for you to where you're like, wow, we really are a machine? I'm not so sure that there was a, a lightning Shazam moment. It kind of crept up all the way along. I did have, well, okay. There was an incident. It was 1968, I think it was. I was in Los Angeles. And I saw a video of Dr. John Thee, chiropractor. I saw a video of what he was doing, and I said, hey, that's awesome stuff. So I went to see him at his office there in Lake Avenue in Pasadena, and I started taking classes from him, Gordon Stokes, Carl Balanzi, and then Daniel Whiteside. Daniel Whiteside is the son of Robert Whiteside, who conducted the study back in the 40s on structure, function. So he was studying shapes and behaviors. So Daniel, the son, of course, took over from that. And there was an influence there between Daniel and Gordon and John T. Uh, most of the old-time naturopaths and chiropractors know all about this personality stuff, structure and function. So I, that fascinated me. I could see yes. the structure. I could see the behavior related to the mm -hmm. structure. So I made a study of that. And how everything fit together. Perfectly. How everything fits together. Absolutely. So from there, just working with people, watching how they operate, see what the behaviors are, watching the structures of the bodies and the different relationships to the behaviors, I started formulating my own opinions, my own ideas. And I could see that there was one common denominator that used, that came up all the time. Stomach. The stomach, <laughs> yes. I definitely want to talk about the digestive issues. Absolutely. And hear your take on that. Because when you explained it to me the first time, I was completely blown away. And it, it all made sense. Because yeah. you do have this ability to translate what the body is telling us into English. And not just English, but basic English. So I can't wait to get there. But before we do that, what are some of the reasons that people come to you? What are the questions that they bring to you? Pain. Pain. Okay. They've been all over the planet mm -hmm. to medical doctors and chiropractors and everybody that they could think of, literally all over mm -hmm. the planet, can't solve the problem. You see a lot of people, there's... A myriad of people out there now all over the internet that are selling you all kinds of goods and services mm -hmm. that are supposed to solve your problems for you. Well, then they're forgetting one major issue. You're putting organic material in a warm, dark, moist place. Organic material in a warm, dark, moist place is going to rot. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. It's supposed to do that. The stomach is designed to produce hydrochloric acid to suspend that rotting process until you can digest it. That's the key. With our present day society, the stomach is impacted such that it does not produce enough hydrochloric acid. Mm. You're not digesting your food. It's turning to a rotting mess in your stomach. Nice. So you just have this compost pile. <laughs> exactly. <It's> awesome. <laughs> and that, that literally craps up the system. It contaminates all the systems in your body. And the, those, those symptoms of congestion are what people are complaining about and don't know the source of it. Okay, so it's the buildup of these toxins that are expressed as pain through common places in the body? Like, what are some of the common places that pain would show up? And is it a chronic pain? That's the key. If you mm -hmm. have a traumatic incident, like some type of accidental trauma or something, there's pain involved with that. You can see the damage in that. If you have pain that develops over time, but there's no trauma involved in it, that's a metabolic problem. That's a digestion issue. You are actually creating garbage in your system. You're self-polluting. You're, you're contaminating your system. The body is going to absorb some of that. It doesn't know what to do with it. There's no place to put it. So it parks it in between the connective tissues, in your muscles, in joints, in your liver, in your kidneys, in your gallbladder, in your brain. And then you wonder mm -hmm. why you hurt. Yeah, so you deal with a lot of these almost, I guess they would could right now be considered elusive illnesses, right? Because I went to you after seeing every doctor that I could and having every single blood panel. So why is it that that these doctors aren't able to make these connections? Are they just not testing for the right things or in the right way? I could get real snarky and say <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> the reason why is because they're not taught in medical school. They're not taught in medical school because the pharmaceutical industry controls the mm. medical community. Okay. The pharmaceutical industry is out to make money. They're not out to help you. They're not out for our best interests? <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> okay. But I don't think so. <laughs> Judging from what I've seen so far, right. no. Uh, consequently, we have the people that are set up to have these informations, or the, the pieces of information that are supposed to help us. They don't have it. Mm. So, therefore, they, they have to go to their drugs. Look, look, this machine that we drive around in was designed to build itself from its environment. You notice you start off about this big and you end up about this big? <laughs> By putting stuff in this end here, it goes through this big long tube some of it stays and we get bigger. Some of it goes out the outside and you plant your garden with it. Okay. This machine was designed to build itself from its environment and to fix itself when it breaks. It's an automatic machine. It will do that if we don't booger it up in the meantime. The only thing that we have to be careful of is we put things into our body that it has no idea what it is. It cannot handle it. It's foreign to the body. There's no mechanism to deal with it. So it becomes junk takes up space and it clogs up the system or we keep something from it that it needs because of our culture has taught us to eat certain things that are detrimental to our health mm -hmm. like the chemicals the processed foods nicotine caffeine yeah. alcohol refined flour mm -hmm. refined sugar dairy products drugs and stress all do you win okay yeah 
I want to go back to hydrochloric acid and the importance of that. What can we do to support having the right amount in our bodies? Is there something that we can do about that? There, there, this conversation is going to branch off into two areas. <laughs> yes, there are certain foods that you can eat to help you make more hydrochloric acid. But the big problem is there's damage to the stomach to start with. So here we go. Our present-day culture and eating patterns are all detrimental to our health. They are all overloading our liver. The liver is your big chemical factory in your body. So when you put something into your body that may be toxic, first of all, hydrochloric acid in your stomach is supposed to kill the bugs that come in. Then if there's any toxic material left, the liver detoxifies and you go on with your life without mm -hmm. a problem. But when you overload the body with so many toxins, it, it, it literally can't do it all. Then we have a backup of energy. The liver, as far as energy is concerned, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, all tells you that the liver is in charge of the integrity of connective tissue in the body. Muscle and connective tissue is directly mm -hmm. related to the liver. So if you have a compromised liver, like most of us do, you're at higher risk for hernias, tears, sprains, strains, prolapses, basically weak connective tissue. So as time goes on, things start to get weaker and they fall apart. Gravity goes to work and things start to sag. The big issue with the hiatal hernia is that the liver, again, is in charge of the connective tissue. That little hole in your diaphragm is ringed with connective tissue. So with a weak liver circuit, you're at high risk for that hole to stretch or tear. Then when you take a breath, you suck some of the stomach up into the chest cavity. When that happens, of course, you displace or you push up against the heart. The little palpitations happen up here in your chest. You feel like, oh, I'm having a heart attack. No, mm -hmm. it's just a stomach problem. And then you go to the Western medicine, they give you drugs for a heart attack. They just make matters worse. So we go back to the stomach up in the hole. It also displaces lung capacity, so it's hard to take a breath. It's irritating the diaphragm, so <laughs> you have a little cough that comes up all the time. And in addition to that, the diaphragm pinches on the stomach. That stomach now is damaged. It is physically damaged. It gets swollen. Like if you damage your tissue down here, it's going to swell. Your body wants to bring more blood in to try to heal the tissue. Problem is, when the stomach tissue swells, now it can't produce the hydrochloric acid. It can't get into the stomach. Mm. So now you have low hydrochloric acid, which means you're not going to kill the bugs coming in. You're not going to be able to, to kill the, um, or keep candida down. The hydrochloric acid also chelates minerals, so you're not going to have, you're going to have low mineral content. Mm. Uh, you need minerals for everything that goes on in your body, for enzymes and, and proteins and everything, you need minerals. So it also stimulates the pancreas to produce sodium bicarbonate to neutralize the acid from the stomach. With low hydrochloric acid, you're going to have low sodium bicarbonate, which means you're not going to be able to neutralize all the acid from the stomach, which means now some of the acid is going to burn the small intestine. Burning the small intestine makes little holes in the small intestine. That's what leaky, uh, the, the Western medicine go. calls leaky gut. Mm -hmm. Now you have a candida, which is a, which is a fungus. It's supposed to live in your small intestine to help you digest your carbohydrates. With those bigger holes now in the small intestine, that leaks into your bloodstream. Now you have systemic candida. Uh, in addition to that, the pancreas also produces uh, insulin to regulate blood sugar. 
So without proper blood sugar maintenance, you, blood sugar goes up and down. Now you have the brain uses sugar to operate, so mm -hmm. you have mood swings up and down all right. over the place. And uh, in addition to that, the pancreas also produces digestive enzymes, so you can digest your foods. So all of that is going on because of a weak liver. It gets even it gets more interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they yeah. keep it coming. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this rotting material now in your stomach has no place else to go but out. Mm -hmm. So it travels down through your small intestine. Some of it gets absorbed into your blood right away. The rest of it gets into this large intestine. Now, the major job of the large intestine is to dehydrate the stuff you just ate. Okay. It's supposed to recapture the fluids. Mm -hmm. That's your, your dehydration plant. So the fluids from digestion then get reabsorbed into the bloodstream by way of uh, the body wraps lymph ducts around the large intestine like tree roots wrapped on the sewer pipe. Okay, so by osmosis, it sucks the fluid back up into the blood. The problem here is that now you have cesspool material in the large intestine. That's what mm. gets sucked back up into the blood. Now that, of course, dumps into the blood and it overloads your liver even more, which causes mm. more trouble downstream. It also contaminates your blood supply, your lymphatic system. And we got to back up at this point and say that all your vital organs have their own energy supply. That's what the meridian circuit's all about. So when the organ itself, when any organ itself does its job, everybody works together and everybody's happy. But when a particular organ has to work overtime, when there's something not functioning properly, has to work overtime and wants to get paid time and a half for overtime like you mm -hmm. do for working over. So it's got to come from someplace. The right. energy has to come from someplace, not out of the sky. So the body then will, the, the, the energy will get overloaded. And if that happens, the organ runs dry of energy, you drop like a rock. So that's not acceptable. Uh, whoever put this machine together figured that ahead of time and built in reserve tanks of energy. So the muscles serve as reserve energy capacitors for mm. the vital organ system. So each one of the organs has a number of muscles that it goes to when it runs low in energy. So it robs the muscles of energy in order to perform to keep you alive. The muscles are expendable. Your organs are not. Right. Okay. So each one of the organs has a muscle group. So when you find your muscles start getting sore and tender and they hurt when you, you don't have any strength left, you, if you know which muscles attached to which organ, you know what the problem is going on in there. Mm -hmm. So going back to our large intestine uh, business here, the circulation circuit is overloaded. That's your blood uh, and lymphatic circulation. When it gets overloaded, it goes to those muscles in your back and your butt for extra energy especially the piriformis muscle, and it robs energy from those back muscles, and your, your low back starts to hurt. And especially the piriformis gets tight. It pinches on the sciatic nerve, and your whole mm -hmm. leg actually can do things. That's a sciatic problem. Most people, you can see them walking around hobbling like this because their mm -hmm. butt hurts them. They're clogged up. They're full yeah. of doo-doo. The large, <laughs> the large intestine is clogged up. Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah. a really good explanation for chronic back pain and also how... Pain is translated through, you said, through the muscles based on what organ is being affected. Absolutely. And you also said something about how from the large intestine, it sucks up the fluids that go into the bloodstream. So it sounds like that 
all of those fluids are toxic. So can we talk a little bit about toxic blood? Because on your website, you mentioned that blood chemistry will trump behavior intelligence every single time. So it doesn't matter how aware you are, how intelligent you are. Without a doubt. Yeah, over your behavior. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, you got two things going on. One is you're not putting adequate amounts of nutrients in your system to run everything so your so your brain can function mm. at the same time you're polluting it from the large intestine so you've got toxic material plus a lack of proper nutrients so your brain is built for survival you're faced with danger your body goes into survival mode there's a portion of your brain right back of it here your your reptilian brain that's your survival brain it does things without you even thinking about it. So a lot of times what's going to happen when your blood gets contaminated to the point where you're in danger, it shuts certain parts of the brain down to focus on things that will keep you alive. Different parts of the brain are used for different types of thinking. It's going to cause you to do something for survival. And I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what your education level is. Blood chemistry, the pollution factor in your blood is going to drive your behavior every time out fail. Is that also what could be contributed to what we're seeing is a lot of mental fog, maybe even chronic fatigue because the brain is not functioning properly? <laughs> Am I not speaking the right language? <laughs> chronic fatigue. That tells you a lot right there. Chronic mm -hmm. means over time. If it's not traumatic, that means it's happening over time. That means you're doing something to or keeping something from your body. That means this is a behavior problem. So, yes, it's, it's an issue with digestion. It's an issue with behavior. It's an issue with what you're eating. You get fatigued because you don't have enough nutrient energy to mm -hmm. drive the machine. If your machine is not functioning properly and you can't get the nutrients you're going to go into a phase where the brain recognizes you're short in short supplies of a lot of things. So it starts shutting systems down. So you don't use up all your energy. You save it for survival. Once again, we're back to survival again. Chronic fatigue is nothing more than clogged up intestinal goo. That's all it is. So how do we start to climb out of this downward spiral and system shut down. It seems, are there that's, little basic things that people can do? That's a very difficult process. Mm -hmm. And I say that because, let me make one statement and then I'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. We are addicted to that which we cannot digest. So if we can't digest something, let's for example say that we're needing sugar. Your brain needs sugar. Your brain tells you, go eat some sugar. Mm -hmm. Okay, you eat the sugar, but because of the condition of your system, you can't digest it properly. So the body has to, number one, do something with the chemical, but number two, the brain didn't get the message. There is mm -hmm. no sugar here. I thought I told you to go out and get sugar. Mm -hmm. So what? Go, you get, got, some go get some more. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you eat some more, yeah. and it shuts the system down even more. So it's a positive feedback loop where you keep suppressing the system and you, you need more and more and more all the time. That's an addiction. That's a drug addiction. It's a sugar addiction. That's any kind of addiction you've got. It's very difficult to get out of that because, again, 
survival is the greatest instinct that you have. No matter what, your body wants to survive. So you have to overcome that survival instinct to change your behavior. It's not easy. It takes guts. It takes determination. That takes... Mm -hmm. You've got to have a decision made in your mind and a plan made out, and you have to follow it. A lot of times you have to have somebody else whacking you on a butt to remind you. <laughs> sure. And maybe also, like, understanding what's going Absolute. on with your body is, is a good first step, too. Right. So two things that, that I got from you are really that sound to be really important are supporting your liver and then also taking care of the hiatal hernia. So what are what are some things people can do around that? The hiatal hernia condition is a physical problem. And I know there are a lot of people that try to mess around with it and play with you and push little buttons and stuff like that, but it doesn't really do the job. You actually have to physically get up there grab a hold of the stomach with your hands and literally pull it out of the hole. That's what has to happen so that the hole can heal up. The hole will never heal with the stomach in it. It has to come down for the hole to heal up. Okay, that's the mechanical part of it. Once you get it down, there are exercises that you can do to help keep it stretched out. You've seen Silly Putt. Mm -hmm. You stretch it, let go of it, it goes back where it was. It's got a memory. Okay. Connective tissue also has a memory. When you stretch the connective tissue down, like pulling the stomach out, it wants to crawl back up again. So we need to keep stretching it back out in order for it to heal. A lot of us come into this body with a weakness that our behavior through life makes it worse. So changing behaviors, eating differently, eating properly, uh, we have to be mindful that we have limits, that, especially for kids. Young people have a hard time with this, that there are limits to this machine. You push past the limit, something's going to break. If you understand that you have a weak link in your chain, I don't care how strong the other links are, that weak link is going to go first. You have to speak always to your weak link. So if you have a weak link there in your stomach, you need to be able to pay attention to that so that one day you can use the rest of your body adequately. But for right now, whatever your weak link is, you have to, to understand what it is, how it is, and how to deal with it. So a lot of times people have this weak link. The, the, they're born with a weak liver, weak pancreas, um, uh, and again, the diaphragm is weak sometimes. So digesting is critical. Without digesting, you're not going to be here very long. It's, it's physically impossible. Uh, Western medicine can keep you alive a little for a little while with tubes, but what are they putting in those tubes? Right. <laughs> That's questionable, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for the hiatal hernia, does somebody, does somebody else have to do that for you, or is it something that you can do yourself? The big problem with that is your leverage is horrible Okay. to do it yourself. Okay. You can keep it down yourself. But in order to pull it down, you have to have somebody else outside your body with the leverage mm -hmm. that can actually pull it down. Because when you, if you reach up here and try to pull your own down, in order to put pressure on your arms to do it, you have to tighten your tummy muscles to stabilize mm -hmm. your shoulders, and you block yourself up. You can't do it. However, in my book, I show using a little doggy dish, you can use a puppy dish, and get up in there, pull it in, tilt it up, 
push it. You could pull your own stomach down that way. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You could keep it down. Many times, though, because it has been up there for a long time, it's stubborn. It really needs somebody else to help you pull it the first time. Then you can keep it down. What does your diet and exercise look like? How do you stay in balance? <laughs> <laughs> Number one, no nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, mm -hmm. refined flour, refined sugar, dairy products, and drugs. None. Okay. So, what does your typical breakfast look like? Uh, I don't necessarily do what you call a traditional breakfast. Mm -hmm. I have my little, if you want to call it a smoothie, I have, uh, I use hemp uh, powder, protein, hemp protein powder that I mix in with some minerals and hemp seeds, the hemp hearts seeds. And um, I mix that up in a Vitamix and then I do that in the morning. Then I have my, um, my apple juice over there. I, I mix up, I put some apples and a lemon in my Vitamix and I mix that up. Sometimes I'll put maybe a pear or a peach or something in there just for taste, but I'll divide and mix that up and that's what I sip on during the day. So what is your take on getting the system clean initially? Do you, do you recommend cleanses or a clonic, like a parasite cleanse, a liver cleanse? Um, you can cleanse all day long. But it's not going to make but too if, much of a difference. If your stomach is not functioning, it doesn't matter. Look, there, here's another factor that we have to keep in mind. This is really important. Nature's little undertakers, germs, viruses, fungus, they're all nature's little undertakers. Or they're there for too. a reason. Any parasitic activity that's going on in your body is there at your invitation. Now, you're walking down a sidewalk and you see some dog dude on the sidewalk, okay? It's all covered with flies. You can brush your hand in front of it and the flies go away. As soon as your hand gets over here, the flies are right back again. Mm. How do you get rid of the flies? Get rid of the dog dude. <laughs> right. Okay, the flies are there mm -hmm. to clean up the mess. That's what they're doing. They're cleaning up the mess that nature made. If you have a mess in your body, you have invited nature's undertakers to come in there to help you clean up your mess. If you clean it up yourself first, there's nothing for them to eat. They'll go find somebody else mm -hmm. to play with. All right? They won't be in your body. They won't, they won't bother you at all. So the way to stay free from all these quote-unquote bacterial infections, fungus infections, viral infections, is to keep your system functioning. Keep it working. Keep it free from the dew that's in there right now, all the rotting garbage that's in there now because the stomach isn't working. So once you get that, and again, from the tail end of this conversation, you can do cleanses until the cows come home. If you're trying to sweep the sidewalk in a sandstorm, where are you going to get? How far are you going to get? Nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> or not. Exactly. <laughs> Same thing. You're trying to drain your sink. You know, your sink is clogged up. You're trying to drain the sink. It's a good idea to turn the water off first, mm -hmm. yeah? You're continually putting more stuff in. The more you clean out, the more comes in. It's, it's an endless problem. So first, you deal with a major polluting issue. Get the stomach working, get your intestines working, get, get yourself functioning. You got to get the stomach out of the hole. You got to get the hydrochloric acid levels up to par. Uh, you got to get your digesting enzymes working properly. It helps the pancreas to work. 
you got to get the probiotics into the large intestine. The probiotics are good guys. They are mm -hmm. bacteria that help you do what you're supposed to do. Uh, and then if you wanted to start some cleansing process every once in a while, it may do some good. But you can, like I say, you can clean all day long. It's not going to help you much. Right. Another issue that just came to mind here uh, while we're in the cleansing process here, that little dingy-doo hanging down here from your large intestine, the appendix. Now, Western medicine doesn't have a foggiest clue what that's about. It, they'll tell you it's they uh, like to remove it's it. useless. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Now, here. The appendix is a little organ that houses bacteria. It's a bacteria generator. When you breastfeed, your mother's immune system triggers your body to set up its own immune system. One of the things, the, the little bacteria that get in there go down and settle in your appendix and they start to go to work right away. Their job is to help eat up your rotting material in your large intestine. Let me go back up here just for a second and lay the groundwork for that. Your mouth is alkaline, your stomach is acid, your small intestine is alkaline, your large intestine should be acid. Your, your food material is coming from the small intestine, which is alkaline, because it's going into the blood from right there. So it, now it goes into the large intestine. It's going to stay there while it's being dehydrated. You need to acidify it so that it doesn't rot anymore until you get rid of it. So the bacteria in that appendix leak out into the large intestine, and they start eating up your poop. And they poop out an acid waste. So they acidify your large intestine to keep it healthy. Now, when you have a compromised system, when your stomach isn't working right and your small intestine doesn't work right, it gets inflamed, gets irritated. That inflammation travels all the way down through your large intestine. Ever watch donuts being made? You put the, a dough ring, a batter a ring of a batter into mm -hmm. the oil and you watch it cook. And as it cooks, what happens to the hole in the donut? Oh, it gets smaller. It gets smaller, mm -hmm. precisely. When your large intestine gets irritated, inflamed, what happens to the hole in the appendix? Yeah, it, gets it gets smaller. Guess what? Bacteria don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. They keep on producing. So the bacteria keep producing there, even though the hole is closed. They can't get out. Now what do you have? An infected appendix. Yeah. That's appendicitis. Okay. They, what Western medicine does, instead of going in there and draining the appendix, wash down the, the intestines and, and educate you on how to eat so that doesn't happen again and sew you back up again, they just take it out. Now you have to constantly put probiotics into your system to help reestablish that. So again, every part of this machine is there for a reason. There's, there's nothing extraneous. There's nothing superficial here. All your parts are there for a reason. They do a special job for you. Taking parts out just indiscriminately doesn't help you. If you've done some damage, some physical damage, okay, I can see uh, losing a piece here and there uh, because you, you can't repair it. But for the most part, taking it out indiscriminately for the hell of it, that's not too smart. You're compromising your body's ability to maintain. You're a wonderful teacher, just how you put things together. And it does sound like there there's a systematic process to healing. Absolutely. Too. And I feel like I could talk to you for days <laughs> and there's because there's a couple more questions that I want to ask you um, over things that I read but I don't want to take up too too much more of your time okay. 
So I'm going to skip over one or maybe we could save it for another time, but I wanted to kind of talk about how the body is multidimensional, but it sounds like a very, very big topic, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Um, let me just, let, let, me, let me put it this way. Have you ever had a, a little transistor radio and it has an antenna on it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or I haven't, but my parents have. <laughs> okay. You, you've seen it. I've them. seen it, yes. Okay. And you turn the radio on and you come up and grab a hold of the antenna and all of a sudden everything gets clearer. You take, you mm. let go of the antenna and it starts getting fuzzy again. You move the antenna around and it gets clearer again. Now, you, all you have to do is get your hand close to it. Now, what's going on? Something is happening there. There is an energy field. Uh, electromagnetic energy field that is influencing that radio receiver. Something's there. We can't see it with our physical eyes. But you've heard of Kirlian photography? I haven't. High energy radiation field photography. The Russians have come up with a device that can actually project uh, particles at your body. So like, uh, like if you take a photographic camera you put a film mm -hmm. behind you and you shine light and your your body will block the light mm -hmm. and whatever shadow is behind it then it will develop and you'll see the picture of your outline of your body well in this curling photography you put the emulsion plate behind you and you fire this energy beam and you can certainly see the outline of the physical body but you can also see other light patterns around the body so something is happening there these particles are being diverted mm -hmm. they're being caught they're being uh, absorbed by something so there's something there that we can actually physically see in the laboratory to show that we are electromagnetic beings electrochemical magnetic beings so the consciousness that drives this whole thing here has a purpose the purpose is to gather information. So ultimate consciousness, supreme being, uh, ultimate engineer, whatever you want to call consciousness, projects itself down into physical dense matter. And it's very similar to um, having your fingers here. Uh, if I dip my fingers into a pool of water and I just look at the surface of the water, I see five separate entities. But if I travel back in three dimensions, back up here, I see, ooh, they're all connected to one thing. Mm. And then they come back and connect to another thing here. And it goes on and on and on and on. Mm. Everything is connected back up. Yeah. So information travels up through this information chain. Consciousness, the energy field that drives everything, determines the thought patterns that you have in your brain. Your brain is just merely a radio receiver. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with consciousness or anything else other than it transposes the energy to physical sparks, you might say, that drives this machine. So yes, if you damage your brain, you're not going to be able to receive a full radio wave uh, uh, reception. When I was about eight or nine years old, I guess it was, I built a transistor radio set. You know, I'm not little... surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little germanium crystal. And I got um, uh, an oatmeal box, and I wrapped a bunch of wires around it uh, to, to create the, uh, the uh, coil. And then I had a set of earphones, and I plugged into it and an antenna and a ground wire. That was my radio. And I could, I could set that, like, that what antenna. Did you 
I was, we were living in uh, outside of Detroit growing up and I could pick up WLS Boston. I could pick up Chicago. I could pick wow. up uh, the Tennessee station at mm -hmm. night. This is all at night. Now when, when the long waves are, mm -hmm. are traveling, they bounce off the clouds and come back down. Mm -hmm. again. So I could pick up radio stations all over the place, depending on where I put the antenna. So the antenna picks up vibrations from someplace else and it br brings it down into this coil of wire that I can tap off of and bring that up into my earphones and the earphones rattle and, and I hear and I can hear what people are saying thousands of miles away. <laughs> so again, that's electromagnetic physics. We are electromagnetic beings, not just physical flesh. So consciousness drives this machine. Our thoughts drive this machine. It's all explained in the book here. Right, I, I, I know. And <laughs> I have goosebumps because this kind of chat gets me so excited. So I'm like, maybe if you're willing, maybe we could have a follow-up chat about that. Yeah. But thank you. I learned so much from this today, and I know we're running, we're running out of time, so I won't take up anything more. So maybe I can email you to, because I have a couple more questions just about like recommended reading. People have, in addition to your books, how sure. people can get a hold of them when they're available, if they could pre-order, maybe if, if that yeah, would be an option. Yeah, you can get the, the book three, the high hernia book, right, right now. That's mm -hmm. available. These here, I've been feverishly trying to work on them to finish them up here. I had them all printed them in. 1997, and of course, a lot of things have happened since then. So I'm right. redoing, re-editing, re-redoing, mm -hmm. republishing. So the only time I really have is on Sundays, maybe mm -hmm. sometimes. In your 12-hour days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Six days right. a week. Yeah, so I'm working on that, trying to get this done. But I feel it's necessary. I feel a need to get this information out of my head mm -hmm. into other people's heads. I see people in pain. When people are in pain, they get miserable and they behave mm -hmm. irrationally. If we can get people to feel better, they'd feel better about themselves, they'd feel better about other people, we'd get along peaceably, that's my goal. <laughs> that's a great purpose, I love that. So, and who doesn't get fulfillment from You have a lot of people out there that are caught up in making a lot of money at other people's expense. And because of the ignorance factor, people don't see, they don't see what they need to do. We could overthrow this everything overnight if everybody saw exactly what the story is here with your body, what they're doing to your body, what you're doing to your body. But because of that, we don't know what we don't know. So a lot of people are, again, moving through life, ignorant of the fact that they have control over their life if they want to. And because of that, we're suffering. We don't know what to do. And because we're in pain, we lash out at other people around us right. and we cause more trouble. We feel disempowered, exactly. but we have the keys the whole time. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. I love that. I think that's a great place to end on. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much to Dr. Phil for taking the time to share his insights around this beautifully engineered human machine that we operate in. There was such a wealth of information that came out of our chat and I definitely feel greater understanding around how the systems of the body work and how we can better support them. A few things that stood out to me were how impactful our behaviors are on our well-being. It made a lot of sense to me that our bodies are designed to build from its environment. So it's really important to not only provide it with the nourishment it requires, but also to avoid the toxins that damage it. 
It's a sustainable theory that seems to play on common sense, yet it's something that a myriad of people struggle with. So I hope that the knowledge gained from this show will give people an additional resource and perspective to reflect on. I know I'm looking forward to exploring that more myself. Another thing that jumped out was around the hiatal hernia syndrome. I myself have experienced this and it wasn't something that was obvious to me at the time. In fact, I dismissed all of the symptoms I experienced as being normal. After all, they weren't entirely uncomfortable or debilitating in any way. Or so I thought. After having this corrected by having the top part of my stomach pulled down back through the hole of the connective tissue in the diaphragm, back into its rightful place, I was so surprised by what an immediate difference this made for me. For the first time in so long, I experienced what it felt to take a full, natural breath, and my symptoms of chronic fatigue began to dissipate. It was almost as if I could feel my body automatically beginning to right itself. Amazing. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Phil Solinsky's work on the human machine, he has a wealth of resources soon to be available. Volume 1 and Volume 2 of his work, as he mentioned, will be released in the near future, and you can find Volume 3 focused primarily on hiatal hernia syndrome on Amazon. You can also reach him on his website, www.thehumanmachine.com, where you can find a vast amount of additional information overviewing the topics we discussed and that are also shared in his books. Of course, I'll be sure to include the links and resources in this episode in the show notes on theprismaticlife.com. And if you find that you're enjoying this podcast, I have an ask of you. Please, please, please be sure to leave a rating either on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you're not aware, higher ratings lead to higher visibility. So those who are searching for resources around the topics that we're discussing here are better able to find us. I would love for this podcast to continue to serve as a platform that inspires and empowers others to explore the vastness of our human potential and join in on the collective conversation. So if it calls to you, please do so. Coming up, I'm super excited because I'm chatting with hypnotist Michael Zadorazny around the benefits of hypnotherapy and how it can open up a world of new personal potential. In the show, we'll talk about the power of the subconscious mind, how language is used as a tool, and yes, I even get hypnotized. I've already been so thrilled and amazed by the benefits of hypnotherapy, and I can't wait to share them with you. So until next time, cheers everyone!